You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold Subscriptions has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature first lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. Why? This way you can set up trial sizes, free samples, like uh, all those shaving websites. They've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription that I think is really cool. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account or anything like it, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like it, the books, they'll offer you one for free. If you say it's too expensive, they'll try to give you a deal on the next month. Basically, Bold built this into the subscriptions app, and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. And their most recent feature is the subscription buy button that lets you sell your subscriptions directly with a link that's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, whatever. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in, pause, skip, edit, update, payment info, their address, swap products, add products, whatever. They can just manage everything themselves. That's a huge time savings for merchants because it means fewer customer support requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business, Bold's offering their subscription app to listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast free for 60 days. Go to kurtelster.com slash bold to install it. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. We're talking about Black Friday Q4. Are we? Yeah. That was, I thought that was the beginning of it. Ah, fuck. (laughs) Hit me with a cold open. So you're really into OJ, huh? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of OJ jokes lately. (laughs) And I have to admit, because I grew up watching the trial of the century... Uh, there's some nostalgia. I've not not enjoyed the OJ jokes. I've you were in what eighth grade during the OJ trial? Oh no, younger. Pretty sure I was younger. Well, I was. It was my sophomore year of high school. What year was it? Was the OJ trial? Ninety-four. All right, I, I was eleven. Ninety-four. Oh, that's ten years after the Bronco. My wife just brought home. She brought home a 1984 walnut brown Bronco. Was that uncomfortable for you that your wife just brought home a Bronco one day without telling you? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we discussed it. Oh, okay. She just, ha- I was just like, well, that's too good an idea to ignore. Please bring home another strange half running car. Yeah, so you have a third car now that I got, also doesn't run. Yeah, I got two or three cars that, eh, you know, not the most reliable things. No safety features at all. And then your third car is the Tesla. 
yeah. which has every single feature, but also kind of doesn't run sometimes. That's not true. <laughs> you know, that one I've not had a single problem with. Unlike a lot of people. Y- yeah, others have been. <laughs> All right. We're at this show about e-commerce. And there's something very exciting right around the corner. It's Q4. What does Q4 have? Other than Halloween. Labor Day? It does have Labor Day. <laughs> Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I don't think it does have Labor Day. It doesn't? Isn't Q4 not till October 1st? Yeah, last three months, be October 1st. Black Friday, Cyber Monday. That's what we're talking about. Was there? Is there a sound playing? I don't know. I don't have my headphones on, so I don't have to hear your dumb sounds. Uh, no, there wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, a.k.a. Tech Nasty. And I'm joined by my business partner and lead developer of many years, Paul Rita. And today we're discussing predictions and preparation for Q4. Yes, Black Friday season is nigh upon us, my friends. And I'm going to go with Black Friday season because I think after what we saw last year, we got to we got to extend this thing out and just stop thinking about it in terms of one weekend. And it, this is a this is a month long event if you're doing this right. Uh, I mean, I'll say for us right now, it is what uh, August 26th, and you said to me today, "Man, shit's getting too crazy right now." Yes. So our stuff is getting too crazy right now in August. So I think this year is only going to get more nuts. So normally, yeah, we have the summer slump, which. We really, like, it, it slowed down in the summer, but nothing like in years past. And August is usually dead. First two weeks of August, we're coming into work just faking it. We got <laughs> yes. nothing going on. Yeah, just running around, screwing around. But not this year. This year was, I don't know, it never slowed down throughout the summer, not particularly. And now, all of a sudden, August, my kids went back to school last week. And I think a lot of people did, too. And it, it's popping off. Like just the, you can tell by like the volume of inquiries, requ- change requests, questions, that that things are picking up steam quickly, um, and so I'm excited about Q4 and Black Friday for 2021. It was strong in 2020. I think it's going to be similar to last year. That's my pre- my early prediction now. I don't think it'd be as good as last year, but I think it'll still be better than 2019. Yeah. If we match 2020... That's a good year. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. No, that, that's happening. I think plenty of people would be perfectly happy to do as well as they did in 2020. Um, but first, some housekeeping. So we've been working on our first nine-figure store. So we've got... We had... Uh, there's there's eight-figure store in there. You love saying that term, but that, like, obfuscates what... They, they do $100 million a year. Yeah. Yes. Nine figures. Well, if you include sense. I shouldn't use jargon. You, you love it. But I shouldn't use it. Jargon exists to exclude people. Correct. Yeah. So I shouldn't. All right. So, okay. Yeah. Well, it's four figures. Okay. A thousand bucks. Wow. Great. I mean, four figures fu- sounds way cooler. It sounds very natural to me. And I was watching Generation Hustle on HBO Max, which is great. It's about Ponzi schemes or scams. And someone was describing this guy who's, um, who was a, a con artist posing as a businessman. And he's like, yeah, we, yeah, we. Um, we totally believed him because he just seemed like such a business guy. Like he was always referring to dollar values and number of figures. And I thought, oh. Yep, that's you. That's not weird? Yeah, that's you. <laughs> Ooh. No, you're the only human being I know that talks that way. Really? Yes. Uh-oh. Got to turn off CNBC. Like my sister-in-law is the CFO of a large company, and she doesn't say that. 
okay. So, no, yeah, we were working with uh, our first $100 million store. And to put that in perspective, like, the normally the stores we work with are doing a million a year to $20 million a year, somewhere in that range. So suddenly, like, our, you, you're catapulted into this environment of uh, bigger e-commerce business. Yeah, a lot of the questions that our current client base has is, should we go on Plus? How do we properly leverage Plus? Like, how do we properly leverage this? Uh, the problem with these guys is uh, we're going to break the Shopify API, get us on a call with Shopify corporate so they can give us special treatment. And they do. It's incredible. Well, and so, yeah, essentially you say, hey, like, there is a limit. This is what's kind of cool about Plus is you could say, hey, we, we're encountering this limit in the this rate limit in the API. Can you raise it for us? And here we'll make the case for it. And as long as you can make the legitimate case for it, I have found uh, they're willing to accommodate you. This is very helpful if you have that problem. Very few stores yeah. would imagine have this issue. Yeah. Um, having, you know, your your extensive experience. Do the nine-figure stores? Do they operate differently? Do they have different pains or problems? The hundred million stores versus in our limited experience versus everybody else. Like, what's different? No, their lives are just easier in every single way because. Uh, you know, people are willing to give you deals on rates. People want to work with you. If you're doing split testing, you get that data in like 48 hours. Uh, you know, yeah, the gigantic sample size is like very need, exciting. If you need money, the money just shows up. It's really incredible. Um, but while this is our first individual $100 million store, we've worked with other like private equity firms that have a bunch of stores. A portfolio of brands. Yeah, a portfolio of brands that are doing over like 20 million. And I've realized that we love working with them. One, because they have a ton of money, so they can pay us, which is obviously our biggest issue. And then two, the guy that started the store is no longer involved with the store. And so... Yeah, by the time the PE firm acquires it for their portfolio, that... By definition, you have removed the original owner. Yeah, the original the founder own- and owner disappears. Yeah, the founder, the original person that started it is gone, and thus the people remaining that run it have no emotional connection to the business whatsoever. Their only care for the business is, does this business make money? Yes, no. Not yeah. how does it make me feel? Is it efficient and effective? Yeah. They are emotionally divorced from it. And that's the reason that we went into e-commerce in the first place is because we were doing way too much like feelings development for ad <laughs> companies about like how does creatives like how does the website for our hotel make this guy running the project feel about the hotel? Like, no, we e-commerce when we did those projects, we were like, here you go. There was now more money. See, it was a good job. Yes. And that's the advantage um, to working with those those later stage businesses. I think, though, the emotional investment, you need it. You need it at the start. At the start. You can't, you can't not really care about a business and build up a business from scratch. You have to care about it. I've encountered you know, one out of 500 times an entrepreneur, an early stage entrepreneur I'll encounter, so like a startup business, is just they're like that machine where they're not emotionally invested. They don't care. The other 499 people... They can keep going in the face of adversity because they're emotionally invested. Yeah, I think at some point though, it it could it could cloud your judgment, and it can make life more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah, it's like it's like a baby. Like in order to raise the baby, you have to love the baby and care about the baby and pay attention to the baby all the time. 
once the baby's an adult, leave that adult alone. Like yeah. they don't need you in your in their business twenty four seven. And I think the problem is a lot of these business owners, they're little babies growing up, and they still want to be there changing its diaper every day. It's like no, just you let, gotta let the, go. Just you gotta let go and let the let your let your child blossom by themselves. If you're thinking to yourself, uh oh. It sounds like they're describing me, and I'd like to change that, which you don't have to. But if you do, um, the book, The E-Myth, if you've not read that one yet, is an entrepreneurial classic. And while it does not speak to it in these terms, it really is like, okay, here's a guide to kind of emotionally divest and divorce yourself from the business while keeping it yours and successful. So there's my, my recommended reading is The E-Myth. So there's this like new app. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called uh, what is it? Like Tactic? Tactics? Fallout Tactics? No. <laughs> TikTok. That's it. Yeah, TikTok. Let me let me tell you a little something about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm 40. Yeah. And I spend my evenings watching movies that are at least 50 years old. Okay. What do you think I know about the apps? <laughs> Uh, you like Steam. <laughs> Look, I'm 39, and most of my social media, when I go fire up YouTube in my house, and it's like, here's your recommended list. It goes like Disney World, uh, Blippi, which is a toddler show, and then it's just like how to install a carburetor in a Volkswagen from the 1970s, and then that's it. That is, that's my content. That's where we go. I just sweat my ass off in a garage watching YouTube tutorials. I need to derail this initial correction. If you're 39, how were you not in eighth grade or freshman year during the OJ trial? Because it was definitely my sophomore year of high school. <laughs> so you couldn't have been like, I was six. That math doesn't work. All right. So I was born in 1983. <laughs> when did we determine the OJ trial was? I don't know, 94, 95? We're going to go with, I don't know. I'm going to go with 95. No, 94. No. Well, the Bronco chase is 94. So should, I was 11. We should never look this up. Uh, yeah, you know what? I don't want to know. Nobody tell me. We're just letting this hang. I'm just saying you're bad at math. 100%. <laughs> also terrible at geography. You're so bad at time zones. That's every, my favorite thing. Every day I arrive on time somewhere, that's a small miracle. I love you have a big boy business meeting with our $100 million client that's scheduled for three like mountain time. And you have to turn to me and go, it's at three mountain time. What time is it here? And yep. I have to do the math for you. I've, I've figured out U.S. time zones. I'll have you know. <laughs> I mean, I have to like, I really I second guess myself and, and double check it. But I got it. Very successful. Can't do math. Uh, yeah. So TikTok, Shopify added shipping, uh, shopping things to TikTok. I don't know. Is that a thing? You got like the old men watching teens dancing and then like a thing pops up telling you to buy something. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's a, a shopping tab. And then I assume it's a tighter integration on TikTok ads. What's a tab? It's in it's in app shopping. So normally it would be like I see an ad or link in a bio, and I go to this site in a in app browser and make my purchase there. Now instead, it's all right. Hey, we're going to show you a grid of products inside the app, and then you could just do it from there. That was how I I read it. I don't know. The press release came out the day before a recording, so I have not played with it, and. Online Store 2.0. Everybody's excited about it. I see people uh, jumping on it early. They want to live on the bleeding edge. And then dis- and you see you know, forum posts around like, hey, you know, we got our theme working in Online Store 2.0. Here's the, like, here's the stuff that doesn't quite work yet. I would say wait, wait two weeks 
And if you're thinking about it, just give it two weeks for app developers and, and stuff to catch up with it. So no, so really no change. No change. What we said last time we talked about it. Just reiterating. <laughs> Didn't you know, not everyone listens to every episode in its entirety. Well, why not? Paul. Why not? Uh, when uh, Out of the Sandbox announced like their date, didn't they? Yes. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I'm Googling it. I don't know. It's in September. At some point, they said? Yes. All right. That's what I'm going with. I, I still don't think you should be doing it um, this calendar year. Because they're going to be in September. It'll be the end of September. It's so close. You're in October. Then Now we're in October. You should be doing all your Black Friday stuff. And be like, I'm going to completely refactor my entire store theme in October. Well, and then Don't if do a, that. A refactored theme comes out, you know right away there's going to be uh, changes to it. There's going to be updates. bugs. You're going to have to redo a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know how compatible it's going to be with like your previous install. I would, I would tread lightly. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Okay, so Black Friday the point of this episode what do we we've established we think as far as like we it's going to be a similar experience to 2020 what does that mean in practice uh shipping still going to be boned i think so you got to think about that how so uh the shippers are going to be overloaded and because people now don't want to work garbage jobs anymore they're having problems hiring people also true so that will make it even worse. Um, so what that means is you probably want to front load more of your sales. I feel like every sale you make in October that isn't a sale you make in December, that you know the October purchase will likely get to the people a lot faster. That's better for you. It's giving your customers a more positive experience. So yeah, do that. Yeah, there's this uh, logistical potential time bomb here last year we ran into these issues with shipping where people didn't have inventory because they couldn't get it into port and getting shipments out like the photos from distribution centers were crazy just mountains of boxes and they couldn't get it out fast enough and you had packages show christmas packages ordered in november that showed up after after christmas that's pretty grim uh happened to me it happened to uh it happened to be as well. Yeah. And so we know it was a real problem. I know, like, I, last year people were pushing back. They were like, stop talking about ship again. Stop trying to make it happen. It's not real. Oh, it's very real. Yeah, no, I... Uh, what are you paid, talking about? I paid... I bought uh, several hundred... A several hundred dollar product that I then also paid for the expedited shipping on. Didn't show up until two days before New Year's. And when people accuse me of having some ulterior agenda, what exactly do I get out of saying shipping's going to be a problem? Well, people are paying more attention to you. Because you're yelling about something and saying the sky is, sky is falling. I'm saying be prepared. <laughs> What's the worst case scenario? You, you're able to get stuff out on time? Oh, no. Yeah. That Elster tricked me again. Um, okay. So we've got getting inventory in, problem. Getting inventory out, problem. And we kind of figured, okay, well, it will ease up you know the snake has eaten the bird egg the bird egg has to move through the snake the problem is i think we all assumed that this would be resolved by you know within the following 12 months we all thought a lot of things would be resolved we did didn't we (laughs) um it didn't those problems never went away if you see 
uh, like the the port at Long Beach, there's just boats waiting, and the cost of moving a container has become uh, significantly more expensive. So people are concerned about getting the inventory to sell. So number like I would definitely really think about inventory forecasting here um, and then just getting the stuff out the door. And that's why I think same as last year, you're shooting yourself in the foot if you don't start November 1st. Start what? I think your, your promos start November 1st. I think you're running. My only question to that is, is that too late to start? I would certainly look for reasons to run. Look for reasons to have October sales? Yes. Oh. And I like your, I think your dry run is, is happening now with Labor Day. Ooh. That's like your practice event. Yeah, do, yeah, it's like for Labor Day or something, do Black Friday, but do it at like half speed or like quarter speed. Well, all right, so look for excuses in October and 100%, I think, start in November 1st. But then the other thing we weren't dealing with last year was iOS 14 and its uh, privacy switch. All right, so I've been seeing a lot of comments in the group of people being like, well, everything was peachy and my life was smooth sailing and my ties and then iOS 14 showed up and it ruined my entire life. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what they did or what happened. Or if these people are like, if these people are like sales went down by 10% and they've now declared because that was the last thing they heard about. That's why it's bad now. That's recency bias in action. Yeah. Uh, No, it's suddenly got harder to advertise on Facebook. Why? The people who spend money online have iPhones. Yeah. You're just statistically more likely. Yeah. You spend more money on the internet if you own an iPhone versus an Android Yeah, phone. the Android, Android iPhone users. I'm not like trying to put Android people down. That's just a, that's demographic data. They're just green bubble losers, first of all. Oh but my God. secondly, if One star. you go to their... <laughs> yeah, if you go to your analytics, you will see the average iPhone user spends more on your store than the average Android user. It's just a fact. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15% overnight? Well, you could make a deal with the devil. Can you believe it? All I had to do was give him my soul. <laughs> or you could just use Zipify One Click Upsell, created by the owner of a $100 million e commerce store entrusted by over 8,200 Shopify merchants. One Click Upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross sells. Plus, it's got mobile optimized offer pages that drive sky high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T, and to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at zipify.com and ask for the tech nasty bonus. Tech nasty. So, in iOS 14, there was an update. You fire open Facebook and it's like, hey, this app would like to know things about you. And of course, sane folk say, I, I don't think uh, the Zuck needs to know more about me. He needs to worry about treating that zombie bite he's hiding, right? He doesn't <laughs> yeah. need to know anything else about me. And that really wrecks up the efficacy of Facebook advertising. And so what 
in practice, what people saw was this update rolls out to people's phones, and then their unchanged Facebook ad campaigns, their return on ad spend starts dropping. And then what's interesting is what we saw, um, what Kurt Bullock told me, Facebook expert extraordinaire, yeah. was the it's sh- the impressions on Android devices went uh, seemed to go way up because the algorithm is going to where it has data. But those people don't spend as much typically. So essentially, Apple with this change made Facebook ads functionally less effective. Now, uh, some uh, there are really smart Facebook folks who are like, okay, here's how we worked around it. Here's what we're doing. It sounded to me like the the layperson advice was, um, you know, lean on lookalike audiences and like your remarketing is really stuff you're syncing from Klaviyo. So, but I mean, I'm happy to get deep in the weeds on this. How how was the Facebook ad to store purchase chain screwed with? Because you ta- you explained this to me earlier, okay. and I ignored you. But it was something like you can't you could cookie people if they visited your store. If I'm on my phone, yeah, and I've got Facebook installed, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it, right. It knew it essentially fingerprinted my phone. It goes, all right, we know what that guy is, even just by IP address. And now I'm on my phone and I'm browsing in Safari, not in Facebook. In Safari, yeah. And the website I'm on probably has the Facebook pixel on it. Facebook. Then goes, ah, same guy, and these are the websites they visited. This is the website he visited, and these are the actions on the website he took. That's where it's been really severely limited. So, so remarketing, which is where you would like really clean up because in return on ad spend because it's a warm audience, um, that's really uh, what's been limited here. So you were marketing to – when you were remarketing to people, it was people that were cookied by the Facebook pixel who didn't – who ostensibly didn't view your site at all in Facebook, but just as an independent person in Safari was looking at your site. Yeah. And then Facebook knew about it, and then you could buy ads for that person in Facebook. And what happened is that connection got sliced. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, some people went, you know what? Uh, Zuckerberg and the zombie bite can know about me. That's fine. All right. First of all, he's not a zombie. He's an alien who's having a tough time with his skin suit. What if he's an android like Data? Because he looks a little gold sometimes. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, he is like Data. Oh, I love Data. So if that connection has been sliced, how else can we get to those people? That's one way. I mean, I assumed you could still do, like, abandoned cart stuff. And it's you just said we could still do lookalike audiences, which is you do still have some people that you have cookied and can see what they look like, and you could build a lookalike audience off of those people and then market to the lookalike audience? Yes. Okay. So do yeah. that. Um, so the strategy is unchanged. It's always the same. I was talking to uh, Kunli Campbell yesterday, who hosts the 2X e-commerce podcast, and he said a quote that stuck with me. I wrote it down because I was like, this is good. He said, brands that have the biggest audiences win the Q4 game. It's that simple. He's right. It is that simple. Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> I'm going to totally steal that guy's thunder. I mean, 2X. I'm going to start the 3X podcast. How about that? Well, just wait till you get a load of my 5X. Oh, yeah? Seven-minute abs. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's the thing to focus on, but with the knowledge that in years past, you could really lean on remarketing, and it's going to be – that's going to be tougher this year. And so, But it, cold traffic, really, like on Black Friday – 
never particularly worked. You're not, yeah. And it was so expensive. Uh, yeah, that, and that's something we've talked about in previous years that is even more of a thing now, which is if you are marketing too cold traffic on Black Friday, you're dead. You didn't plant any seeds for the winter. It is now January, and you have no food. Mm-hmm. Like you should just be harvesting all the seeds you planted in September and October. Yes. So how do we plant seeds? I would, I would still ramp up paid social now because it's, it's going to get more expensive later, but it's also less effective than ever. So I would... Do it as, as ch- cheaply as you can get it. Yeah, I wouldn't give up on it because if they take action in, through the ad in Facebook, I can retarget to those people. So I'm still going to say, all right, the strategy is the same. Attempt to get, build your, your, expand your pixels. Grow your remarketing audiences now if you can with Facebook. Um, but with that, that grain of salt. And, but with it, all right, you got to grow all your lists. So that's going to be email, which we can then sync those audiences into, Clay, into Facebook from Clavio. All right, so that that's one type of remarketing if you already have their email. Yeah, and of course the email channel itself is probably going to be your number one revenue driver. It better be. Never changes. So lean on email. You got to grow that email list. Um, but how are you going to grow it? I like giveaways a lot. I like uh, pop ups with coupon offers. We've if you ta- don't have a pop up strategy, you're just not collecting enough emails. Well, and we and we've talked about this before. Um, Obviously, this is if you've already gotten them to purchase, but you can really nudge them with free gift with purchase. It's obviously a gift-giving season. So if you can nudge people to buy by saying, oh, if you buy something, we'll give you this free pin or this free sticker or something that costs you literally 25 cents, but is way more likely to make someone buy the $50 product if they get a free little 25-cent tchotchke. It's amazing how as much As long it works. as it's an exclusive. Yeah, you got to make it exclusive. You got to make it special. You got to make it today only or tomorrow only. And it, it works. Human psychology. Yeah. So we love scarcity. Can't avoid it. Actually, we hate scarcity. But yeah. <laughs> we love and hate it. <laughs> it's a real conversion lever. Um, all right, so we got our, our email, first party. Uh, or, yeah, our email lists, our remarketing pixel. SMS if you're into it. I don't know. It doesn't work for everybody. Or, I, I guess not everyone will give it a chance. But of the brands I know that have used SMS, you end up with a smaller list that is highly engaged. So I still like SMS. So if you're already doing it, see if you can grow those lists. Again, I think it's with um, its pop-up offers is probably what's going to drive most of your, your SMS and email. But figuring out, you know, getting the right pop-up with the right offer to the right person at the right time, that's the thing you want to experiment with. Um, but all right. So Facebook, uh, we're, we're disillusioned with it. There are other channels out there. And if you're going to start experimenting with new channels, you know, maybe take 15% of that Facebook ad budget and, uh, shift that to let's experiment with some other channels. Obviously you want to do that right now. Not I'll figure this out in November 1st. Yeah, again, the, the main thing we ask of you doing a suboptimal thing in September is way better than trying to do anything in November. Yes, absolutely. Um, so there was a, a great post in our Facebook group in which someone asked, any marketing experts drive meaningful revenue with platforms outside of Google and Facebook? Oh, I'd love to know the answer, my friend. <laughs> but there were a whole bunch of comments. 
where people said, yeah, and here's what's working. Everyone's saying Snapchat. Everyone's saying TikTok. Seven, seven to eight X ROAS on TikTok ads, which in the grand perfect world of when Facebook ads were banging is that would be a terrible Facebook ad ROAS. But in our brand new world of no one knows what works anymore, maybe seven, eight X is really good. No, seven, eight X is good. For, I think, any channel. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. No, 7, 8X, I'll take it. I put in a dollar, I get out seven, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it, it depends on what your margins are and what yeah, you sell. obviously. But, yeah, no, that will pro- that that dog will hunt for most folks. Huh? Um, Pinterest, po- well, I'm surprised to see Snapchat get mentioned in here. Because, obviously, like, we chase the shiny toy, and TikTok is the new hotness. TikTok is cool now. Snapchat is not cool anymore. But I... So many people have told me, hey, you won't believe the results I'm getting with Snapchat ads. I have no direct experience with this. But my suspicion is, because so many people are ignoring Snapchat as advertisers, but it still has a a relevant audience. It still has millions of monthly users. I'm guessing you could buy ads on that for... Uh, much less than Facebook. That's why, like, remember eight or nine years ago, it was like, well, go buy Bing ads because no one was buying Bing ads and there were still millions of Bing users. Guess what? You could still do it. (laughs) You could still buy Bing ads. There was a commenter who suggested it. Maybe buy Bing ads. Yeah. I know. Why are we so, like, married to and obsessed with Facebook and Google? I think, like... Well, because they're... They're the biggest. They're obviously, like, 90% of the market. And... With TikTok, it's because that's the cool new thing. Yes. Hey, remember Clubhouse? So what? I don't that, know. I thought I was told that was awesome. That was the big, that, that would be forever awesome? and that was everywhere. Take over? Yeah. You know, there was a comment in the Facebook group last week that was a comic saying, This is how Paul acts before they start recording. And there was one character who was like really mean and said he hated everybody. And then Kurt made him record the podcast. And I want to make it clear <laughs> I don't hate everybody. I'm a very nice, pleasant person, and which is something a nice and pleasant person. I was going to say, say, you know, it, no one thinks they're a bad person, Paul. <laughs> I just have the mindset of this is probably bullshit until I'm proven wrong, which no one in the tech industry seems to share. And I know they're like, "Whoa, it's hot, and shiny! Throw money at it!" It's like I heard that's a new thing. It must be good, and like everyone just talks about how great it is. And, and then when you question it, they're like, "Whoa, this guy's a curmudgeon. Yeah, he's such a hater." When I'm just like, "Yeah, it's probably horseshit," <laughs> and uh, I'm right <laughs> more times than I'm wrong. Uh, so I'm happy to fulfill that niche. Well, thank you're performing a public service. Yeah, I am. I'm actually. Yeah. I'm like you're the hero we need. I'm kind of like Gandhi. Oh well, yeah. Think about it. I was thinking more like Batman. <laughs> no. Uh, Christian Bale, Batman, to be clear. The... Bell Kilmer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Pinterest, somebody said they got 17 and a half ROI, 17 and a half X ROAS out of Pinterest. This one's interesting. I have seen, like, I've, I've seen lots of people try Pinterest and get nowhere. And I think it's really like your audience has to be there. But then other people run Pinterest and do really well with it. Well, I mean, Ju- I mean, uh, doesn't Julie run a bunch of Pinterest ads, and they work great for her? She does organic Pinterest, and for a long time, that was the number one traffic source. Now Google has eclipsed it, but, I mean, it's just like, that's the nature of SEO. It's a long game. But, yeah, in the short term, Pinterest, both paid uh, ads and organic, could work. The And we have past content about that. Uh, <laughs> someone said, I've generated a lot of revenue by getting featured as a guest on podcasts. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, that one's easier said than done. It's really 
it's cold emailing. Well, that's both. You got to like, pitch people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just and you you have to have a topic that you could find podcasts. Yeah, for. you need to be. You need to find a podcast that's relevant to your business, and then something that you can be an expert at that the podcast would want to have you on as an interesting guest. So you, it, that's that's sort of like influencer marketing, you know. Except like, you're the influencer. Yeah, let's say there's influencer marketing, but it's, there's two sides of the same coin, which is you get other influencers to talk about how great your product is, or you become the influencer talking about how great your product is. You know, that's really, that's the best thing to do. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, you're I right. mean, that all feeds back into our whole thing where people buy things from people and not from brands. Yes. Yeah. So, like, you have to become the expert person at the thing, at the problem that your product is solving, and then you go everywhere and tell them how your product is solving the problem. And, you know, like uh, so many 1950s brands, you have to create the problem first and then say, isn't this, doesn't this happen in your life? Isn't that a problem? I could fix it for you now. Now that I, you know it's a problem. You know, great example. Like, think about teeth whitening. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a problem to have normal-looking teeth <laughs> until the last 20 years, at which point every product I buy has whitening agents in it, and now my teeth are blue and look like chiclets. Yeah. You really got some chompers. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's an uh, excellent example and point. Um, another one that seems obvious, but nobody does it, somebody commented, they said YouTube... By repurposing your best-performing Facebook video ads. But how long is a Facebook video ad? Five seconds? Ten seconds? Well, you, make, uh, you could make it several minutes if you want. The ones that perform really well are about like 20, 30 seconds. You can run a 20, 30-second unskippable ad placement oh, as on an, YouTube. Oh, as an ad. I, I run ad block. I wouldn't know there are ads on YouTube. <laughs> Plebs. Uh, so... I just thought they were talking about uploading it as like a video. Okay, yeah, but no, yeah, it's like a commercial. YouTube is the new TV for like everyone under the age of 20. Uh, yeah. And you're just running TV. It's like you wouldn't say TV ads are stupid, so run YouTube ads. Yeah, they it, very much the same thing and the same approach. Because we'll watch YouTube on our, our Apple TV, uh, you know, when I'm watching Blippi. And... <laughs> Stop watching Blippy. Yeah, the the parents with toddlers are like, oh, Blippy, um, and it like it'll stop and be like, add one of two, and then it oftentimes they're regular TV ads. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's nothing stopping you from doing the same thing and accessing those same eyeballs. I've been hearing a lot of stuff about Bluey. Bluey, that it, Bluey's good. Uh, yes, my four year old loves Bluey. She the other day said came up to me with her, she made a circle with one hand, placed it on another palm like this. This will only work for the video version of the podcast. And she said, stick your finger in there. So I did. And she said, swirled around. I did. And she said, now you're cleaning my toilet. <laughs> and laughed at me. What does that have to do with Bluey? Uh, she learned it from Bluey <laughs> upon interrogation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. The, we were... Shocked, and she was thrilled. <laughs> uh, someone said infomercials old school. Every time I see, you ever see the commercials for, um, like, the, the tack visor and the tack light? And, oh, the tack light, yeah, I yeah. remember tack light ads. That guy has a series of products that really, like, none of them are amazing or special, but it's got this fantastic as-seen-on-TV commercial to go with it. 
just like the ones we remember from kids, except now it's like, go to this website. Yeah. Instead and, of having the blue screen with an 800 number. Yeah. And like, wait six to eight weeks for delivery. It's If you don't know what we're talking about, look those up on YouTube. They're fascinating. <laughs> and then just shot for shot, recreate it with your own product and you'll print money. Those are direct response ads, though. Those are not infomercials. Infomercial right. is a it's, half hour of that's George a direct Foreman response telling ad. you to buy, yes. the, buy the grill. I mean, you could do those. I just don't. That's a big commitment. Yeah, that's a, that's a bigger commitment. So we'll say, instead of infomercials, we'll say direct response ads. Um, and if your target market is over the age of like 35, make them just like the direct response ads from the early 90s because they'll just automatically like it. Yes. Oh, yeah, totally. 80s, 90s nostalgia is coming back hard. Uh, no shit. Yeah. I mean, that's re- like that psychologically, that's 100% what drove my wife's purchase of a. 84 Bronco <laughs> was like, wow, you know, this was the, like, I remember this when I was a kid, like that kind of thing. Um, That's why I'm tooling around in a 91 Taurus. <laughs> no, not. you're not. <laughs> uh, Reddit, Reddit ads. I don't know anyone who does Reddit ads. They seem so simple. Like it's just a, a text headline and a link. So you could try running those. I mean, I'd be interested in knowing what the return on those are. Yeah, I don't know. And I, it's, you, I think for those to work, I think you you have to be a redditor and be like tapped into that that culture. Which again, yeah, if like you're selling something to a subculture, you know, we always talk a lot about like watering holes. Like, where does your subculture hang out? Go there and like become a person to like that entire community. Yeah, you better be authentic. They'll sniff you out immediately. Well, true. And so, like, that's a great starting spot. There's like a subreddit for everything. Uh, so I guess what we're saying is. A, get started or, like, figure your shit out now in September. How are you going to get touch points on people so you can retouch them in November to sell them stuff? And two, get those touch points any way that you can. Try everything. Think of everything. Think of websites you go to. Think of places where you see ads. You could probably advertise there, too. Give it a shot. For the next 60 days, when... Choosing where to spend your resources, your time and money, especially in marketing, but in general with your business, ask yourself the fundamental question, does this grow my audience? If the answer is no, you probably shouldn't prioritize it until after Black Friday. Yeah. Like, honestly, I understand, like, you want to be making sales all the time. You don't want to just, like, shut off. If you had two spigots that's, like, the new audience spigot and the sales spigot, you don't want to shut off the sales spigot. But... The new audience spigot is your focus for the next two months. And then in November, you are just hitting those people constantly. Now, assuming that you're like, well, that's easy. I already got that nailed. I got more traffic than I know what to do with. I'm not worried about shipping anything because we have a network of drones and carrier pigeons. What else you got for me? Well, then at that point, now I think is the time to try and shore up your conversion rate and get really aggressive. If you're in that position, yeah, all right, get really aggressive with split testing. Maybe you have the time and resources to mess with getting your online store 2.0 theme going, but not until all that other stuff is out of the way would I be looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's leave it there. I think that's solid. We did it again. Oh, another one in the bag. <laughs> Woo! So. This is really great. I just see you hitting buttons. I'm, I'm like, he's probably playing something stupid. I was not, I was, I absolutely was not playing anything stupid over here. So, I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Please join our Facebook group. Search the unofficial Shopify podcast on Facebook. Join us. 
I'll probably let you in the group, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, see you guys. When people ask in my Facebook group what theme they should use, I always see people recommend Flex. Why? Because it's the Swiss Army knife of Shopify themes. It comes with everything you need right out of the sandbox. Flex is truly one of the most flexible themes in the market. It's got customizable CSS within the theme editor to give you more creative control without breaking your theme's code. And it comes packed with 10 mega menu navs with six columns each. Whew, that's a lot of stuff. And to make it even sweeter, Out of the Sandbox has been in the e-com game for over a decade, providing some of the best customer experience in the industry. Head over to outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial to get started on your dream store today. The link's in the show notes. And don't forget to use the discount code KURT20, that's K-U-R-T-2-0, for 20% off your theme purchase. And with their 14-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.